Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. In your Bibles, back to where we've been kind of using as a jumping off scripture. Matthew chapter 16, talking about keys to the kingdom. Everybody say the kingdom. Thank you for coming to church on a rainy night. Glory to God. I like to, when I take hunters, especially those that are not near as experienced, when I take them, especially waterfowl hunting or duck hunting, it's one of those miserable days where it's just kind of raining and, you know, it's just one of those days where you question why on God's earth would I get up at 3 o'clock in the morning and go out in this. And so as they're sitting there freezing in the blind before the sun comes up, I like to look across at them and say, anybody can stay at home. <laughs> Same thing with church, amen? Anybody can stay at home. Be a man or woman of God to come to church, especially on a rainy night. Glory to God. Matthew chapter 16, verse 13, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? They, uh, they said, Some say you are John the Baptist, other, others Elijah, others Jeremiah, are one of the prophets. He said unto them, But whom say ye that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the anointed one in his anointing, the Son of the living God. Thank God it's a living God that we serve. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed or empowered art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, but upon this rock of who I am, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now, we, we've kind of mentioned this as we've gone along. Different keys and their different functions. So I've gone back and I begin to do some study in what God has actually given us as believers. Now, I don't understand, I just don't understand the dynamic of how such mega ministries get built outside the power of God. I don't understand that. That's something Jesus is going to have to help me with when I get to heaven. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, there are huge churches all over America that they don't believe in the power of God. They don't believe that you should use authority. They don't believe in the power of the name. Now, they believe in the name of Jesus. They reverence the name of Jesus. But as far as getting up and teaching like we do and just saying, you know, you're going to have to engage in the Spirit. You're going to have to speak the Word of God. You're going to have to resist the devil. You're going to have to kick the devil out of your life, out of your body, out of your mind. You're going to you're gonna have to activate spiritually. It's not taught. It is not taught. As a matter of fact, much of the teaching of many of these churches teach against that by saying, well, you just need to let happen uh, what, what's going to happen. You know, God is sovereign, and it's kind of like this. He's got everything already worked out and preplanned. Well, there's an element of truth to that, but in reality, his access to the earth is limited by our faith. That's right. Amen? And I'm going to tell you something, church. The way the devil is loosed on the earth right now and everything that he is doing is a testament against all of those churches who have preached that. Yeah. 
I mean, I wish every one of them were churches of 10 and 15 and 20,000 that were preaching, yes, you got to be born again. Yes, you got to be filled with the Holy Ghost and speak with other tongues. Yes, you got to cast out devils. Yes, you got to resist the devil and he'll flee from you. You've got to stand up on your, on your spiritual legs and make a decision. You're not going to be defeated. You've got to walk in the light of the Word of God. You've got to walk in the power of the Holy Ghost. But instead, they've got off into some kind of philosophical mumbo jumbo that try to, uh, tries to just kind of help everybody feel okay about everything they're going through. Well, honey, I want to stop what I'm going through. How many know what I'm talking about? I want what I'm going through to stop. I don't want to feel good in it. I want it to stop, and I want to see the victory of God manifestation. So everything that Jesus taught us and everything in the letters to the church gives us a reality of of an authority given to us. Not something the government can give you. Not something you can be born into. It's something that you're born again into. Ought to get a better amen than that. And in reality, as you study the covenant of God and what God has done for us in Christ, it is the authority of our family. Let me say that again. That's why it doesn't work for so many people. They see it as some kind of privilege that God may allow them to use every once in a while. No, it is the authority of our spiritual family. It is the authority of our Heavenly Father. It is the authority of our our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in which they went through great pains of redemption, of the cross, of the resurrection, of everything that needed to be done in, in carrying out the formation of Israel and bringing Jesus onto the scene. All of that was done in order to get God's authority back on the earth through the inhabitants, the legal inhabitants of the earth, which are the human beings. Amen? Now the human beings who've gotten born again are basically God's children upon the earth who need to be exercising the authority to bring the kingdom of heaven upon the earth. The kingdom of heaven is that which which the kingdom of God produces as we obey the word of God and walk in its authority. I like what an old preacher said years ago. He says, it's it's the will of God to give you a little slice of heaven to go to heaven in, but you're going to have to fight for it. How many have ever noticed that? You're going to have to fight for it. You just can't be apathetic, complacent, kind of case sirrah, sirrah, whatever God does is going to, you know, that's going to be, I'll just be, I'll just be fine with whatever God does. Well, not me. I'm going to do something. I'm going to, you know, I like, I like in uh, 1 Samuel 17 when, when uh, David rose up, began to make those statements of courage and faith, and, and Saul said, you're, you're too young, you're too inexperienced. And he said, thy servant kept his father's sheep. And a lion and a bear came out and tried to take one of the sheep. He says, and I rose and I grabbed it and I killed it. And he says, and the lion and the bear which tried to steal the sheep. I killed both the lion and the bear. Then he said this, and the God, and he began to talk about how God was the one who empowered him to kill the lion and the bear and the same God was going to deliver this giant to me. Well, sure God did something. But David had to get David had to get up. David had to pick up the smooth stones. David had David had to engage the enemy. And, and David had to sling the stone. And then you thought everybody would have rejoiced. No, then David had to cut off the head. Amen. The same is true of, true of us. Now, and I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Keys. Now, the Lord began to deal with me, and this is certainly not exclusive. This is just three we'll deal with. Three of the keys, armors, armor, 
gifts, and weapons. Everybody say that with me. Armor, Armor. gifts, and weapons. Say it again. Armor, gifts, and weapons. Now, these are things that are uniquely ours and belong to us here on earth now. Let me say that again. These are things unique to us as believers that belong to us here on earth now. What good do these weapons, what good do these gifts, and what good do this armor do? What good would it do in heaven? You don't need it. What good is it going to do us in the millennial reign? None whatsoever. You don't need it. You won't need it whatsoever. All evil will be removed off the earth. You'll be running around in a glorified body manifesting te no telling what to help bring uh, the, the uh, God's, uh, Jesus' millennial reign to pass here on the earth. You don't need it. You need it now. So it's now that God has given us gifts, armor, and weapons. Now let me read real quick. Bear with me as we read. Uh, let's go to Romans. We're just, I'm just going to do it in order in which they're in the Bible. Romans chapter 12. And I'm, not, I'm just going to read through them, and then we'll come back and begin to look at them in the next few weeks. Romans chapter 12. Look at verse 4. For we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office. So we being many are one body in Christ. Everybody say, in Christ. And everyone members one of another. Having then gifts. Everybody say, gifts. Differing according to the grace that is given unto us. Every one of us. Now these gifts that are talked about here in Romans chapter 12, some call them motivational gifts, some call them different types of... These gifts are unique to us. In every one of us, one of these gifts is dominant. All of us probably have two or three of them working in our lives. But these are the gifts of God, the gifts of the Father that the Father releases into the lives of His children. And they belong to every one of us. They need to be recognized. They need to be researched. They need to be explored. They need to be entered into. And they need to be understood and manifested. We can go down through all these different gifts. We'll do that here, here in the next week or so. Now, that was Romans chapter 12. Go to 1 Corinthians 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Everybody say ignorant. Now that's just a lack of knowledge. So God wants you to have knowledge. So he gives us a chapter in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 where we would have knowledge of what? Now notice the word spiritual gifts. Now let me go to verse, uh, go to verse 8. And go to verse, uh, go to verse 4. Is that verse 4? Yeah, verse 4. Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of administration, but the same Lord. There are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For as one to given by the, to, for as one... For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. Now, 
gifts from God, Romans chapter 12, gifts of the Holy Ghost in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now these are supernatural giftings. These are keys. Ought to get a better amen than that. These are keys to the kingdom of God that should operate in our churches in a powerful way and should also operate in our lives as individual believers in the body of Christ. Talks about revelation gifts, gifts that reveal things. Talks about power gifts, gifts that do things. Talks about vocal gifts, gifts that say things. These are gifts by, the, these aren't gifts from the Father. These aren't gifts from Jesus. These are gifts of the Holy Spirit of God. And the reason that many people never ever, they get saved and they live their life and they never see one of these gifts in operation is because the church has denied them and covered them up for 2,000 years. Years, except for a small group of people on the earth which believe in the power of God, the power of the Holy Ghost, and the power of redemption. And it is that group of people on the earth today that have not only the right but the power to refuse that which is coming upon the earth. We are the withholding force. Not everybody that puts a cross on the building is a withholding force. Amen? I listened to this, some, some stuff this week about a particular denomination that blew me away. Literally, three decisions that they had made, every one of them were unrighteous. Every one of them were sinful. Every one of them were dark. I thought to myself, how in the world can they even uh, claim to be any part of Christianity whatsoever? And then later in the week, I heard that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to depart from that which is called, quote, Christianity and become an inclusive world religion. Well, that's going to be during the Antichrist system, but we're already seeing the rumblings of that right now. But in reality, the same power that raised Christ from the dead, which was the power of the Holy Ghost, which came down into the region of the dam, that power has never gone dormant. It's always been active. It's always been in operation. It's always been out there looking for someone to have a revelation of it and dare to operate in it. Thank God we've been able to taste of it a little bit here at Island Church. Amen. And we trust God in the future. We're going to taste of it more and more and more, the gifts of the Holy Ghost and the motivational gifts. Now, now quickly, while you're there, in, in, uh, go, to, go to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, just verse 11, just for time's sake. He gave some apostles... Some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Now notice what for. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come into the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect or a mature man or woman unto the measure of the stature. Now notice this word is used several times. Fullness of Christ. Fullness of Christ. There's just something about God and we, He wants us to experience Him in His fullness. Amen? Amen? Uh, what is it? The prayer in, uh, uh, prayer in Ephesians chapter 3. That you would be filled with all the fullness of God. There's just something about God that wants you to taste of His fullness. Now, 
Here we have what's called ministry gifts. Now notice, Romans chapter 12, you have the motivational gifts. Every person in the body of Christ has a dominant one and maybe, maybe others that will be working in their lives. We'll look at that here in a week or so. Then you have the gifts of the Holy Spirit. See, you have three in one. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. God the Father gives that motivational gift. God the Son gives the ministry gifts. The apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, the teacher. And who does he give that to? Some. Now let me say this. This will help you. He gives some the office, but he gives the office to everybody. You say, now what do you mean by that? He gives the office to some to walk in the office, to develop the gift, and to minister to the church. But he gives the gift to the church. Do you understand that? He gives the gift to the church. We got to, to, to hear Pastor Paul Chase, who is a true apostle. His life bears the fruit of an apostle. You get around him, you talk to him, you fellowship with him. He is a true apostle of God. One that pioneers churches, one that have raised up churches all over Asia and all over the Philippine Islands. One that has the true authority of, apostle, of an apostle and also has the message of an apostle. We've had evangelists here. Brother Danny Green, when he comes, that's a true evangelist in manifestation right there. Amen? We've had wonderful pastors. We've had people like Pastor Sam Carr, Pastor Mark Brzee, uh, Pastor Randy Ayers. We've had all these wonderful pastors that pass through our church and minister. We have, we have great teachers that have come, men like Greg Fritz. We've had prophets, men like, like, like uh, Joe Morris that have come. We've got all the five-fold ministry that comes and does what God says they are supposed to do in order to edify you, build you up, and bring you into the place where you're able to operate in the ministry that God God's called you into. Every one of you have a ministry. That doesn't mean that every one of you is called into the ministry. Every one of you have a ministry in which these keys to the kingdom will operate in their full potential. You are a ministry of, minister of reconciliation. You are a soul winner. You're a ministry of the new covenant. You're a ministry of the life and power of God. You're a minister, minister of the gifts of the Spirit. You're a, you're a minister of those motivational gifts. Not everybody walks in a ministry office, but everybody receives the benefit of it. So you've got the, the triune God and all three aspects of his personality do what? Give gifts. Everybody say gifts. I'll tell you, we serve a giving God. Now, Quickly, while you're there in Ephesians, go to Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6, verse uh, 12. Now notice this. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against spiritual wickedness in high places, against rulers of the darkness of this world. Wherefore, now notice this, Take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Now, we've gone from gifts to what? To armor. Now, Paul is getting his, uh, the apostle Paul is getting his reference from the Roman army. He sees the Roman army. He sees how they're armored. He sees how they're protected. He sees their weapons. They're the dominant force in the world. That's his, that's his explanation of armor. But all of these different armaments of God have a distinct functioning 
purpose. The, the helmet of salvation, your feet being shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, uh, the breastplate of righteousness, having your loins girded with truth, the sword of the Spirit. All of these things are great armaments that God has given. And all of them are aggressive in nature. God had not given you anything to cover your backside. So if you turn and run from the devil, you're going to be in trouble. He's going to put some arrows between your shoulder blades. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. He'll absolutely do it. All of it is offensive. All of it is aggressive. All of it must be, must be put on. How do, you put, how do you put it on, Pat? Like you would anything else in the Word of God. You do it by believing it in your heart and confessing with your mouth. I don't go around confessing I'm putting on the helmet of salvation. No, I, I just quote scriptures that have to do with salvation, knowing that in so doing, I'm putting that on. I don't, I don't go around quoting scripture saying, well, now I'm putting on, you know, uh, the breastplate of righteousness. No, I just, I just quote 2 Corinthians 5.21. He that knew no sin was made sin on my behalf. Because of that, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I do that all the time. Not only ensuring myself that I am, I am, I am conscious of that armor in my life, but also helping the devil to understand I'm one of those that's walking around in this armor. Shoot all the fiery darts you want. I've got a shield of faith. You, you, you can tell me all day long, I, I'm not saved, but I've got on the breastplate of righteousness. I've got on the helmet of salvation. See what I'm saying? So th those are armaments. Now, keep that in mind because we're going to look at this in, a, in, another, in another way in just a moment. Go back to 2 Corinthians, if you will. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 real quick. Then we'll go to Isaiah. Everybody say gifts, yes. armor, and weapons. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of God. Now, everybody say weapons. Now, weapons are unique in that in their design, they are designed to bring destruction. Amen? I mean, he didn't say he's going to give you, a, you know, some kind of fuzzy flower to wave at the devil. No, he said, I'm going to give you some weapons. Now, here's the thing about these weapons. Their origin is God. Let me say that again. Their origin is God. And if you're going to be weaponized by anything, you don't want to be weaponized by a government. You don't want to be weaponized by a philosophy. You don't want to be weaponized by religion. You want to be weaponized by God. There is a dangerous look in the unseen realm. We're going, I'm going to start a series on Sunday called, uh, uh, called uh, We Look Not at What is Seen, but That Which is Unseen. We're going to start looking at the unseen realm and all the things that God's given us in the unseen realm. But I'm telling you, these mighty weapons that God has given us, which actually, if you wanted to, you could categorize all of this into a weapon form. The gifts of God are weapons. The armor of God are weapons. The weapons of God are weapons. But all of them have a divine origin, which means he has proved them, he knows they work, and this is how they function. He puts it in the Word of God. 
They function by faith and they function by engaging them. By you, listen, if you were put on the battlefield with a weapon, uh, uh, an automatic rifle, a, a, a bazooka of some kind, you'd have to know how to shoot it. The most useless thing on the earth is a gun without a bullet. But a gun with a bullet's pretty deadly, especially in the hands of somebody who knows how to use it. You put it in the hands of somebody who knows how to use it, I guarantee you it's more deadly than if you put it in the hands of an average person. God wants you to gain experience with his gifts, with his weapons, and with his armor so that you are a functioning soldier of Christ and you can do down here on the earth what God wants you to do in doing your part to withhold the devil, number one, out of your life, out of your community, out of your church, and out of the world until it's God's time for him to do what he's supposed to do. If you don't do it, it won't get done. Now, go to Isaiah. Isaiah 59. Now, I found this a great study when I was a student uh, in Bible school and was, you know, just in this intense study mode. And even after I got out, I think I still maintain a lot of that in my life. Isaiah 59. When I heard this the first time, I, I kind of questioned it until I got in and began to do a study. Three quarters, now listen to this, this amazing statistic. Three quarters of the Apostle Paul's letters to the church are direct quotes out of the Old Covenant. They're direct. If you, you go do a study and you go begin to look into the Word of God, you'll see that three quarters. Now we're going to look at one right here. See if it sounds familiar to you. Isaiah 59. Look there in verse 16. He saw that there was no man, wondered that, wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore his arm brought salvation unto him and his righteousness it sustained him. Who do you think he's talking about here? He's talking about Jesus. He's talking about Jesus. For he put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation upon his head and he put on the garments of vengeance for clothing, and he was clad with zeal as a cloak. Now notice this. According to their deeds and accordingly, he will repay fury. Now notice this. He will repay fury to his adversaries. Now, okay, let's just ask the question then. Are you repaying fury to your adversaries. Does it stir you up that the devil messes with you? That the devil messes with your body, with your finances, with your, with your kids, with your marriage, with your job, with your business. Well, pastor, we're just going to see what the Lord's going to do. You ought to be stirred up. Anytime the adversary brings an attack against you, you ought to bring a fury against him. I'll be, he'll be less apt to attack you if you'll do that. You telegraph. It's, it's a known, especially among people who are, who, are, who are street smart, street fighter type people. It's known 
that whoever you hit, they're going to telegraph their next move. You hit somebody in a, in a confrontation and they will telegraph. They'll either cower or they'll, or they'll, or they'll move or they'll duck or they'll go into a defense or they'll, or they'll rise up and they'll come after you and grab you by the throat. Amen. Well, that's just not my nature. It is in your new nature. I said it is in your new nature. There ought to be a fury on the, I mean, any symptom that attacks your body, it ought to enrage you. You ought to like, who do you think you are, devil? You think I'm some average person walking around here on Galveston Island? Well, I'm a son of Almighty God. I carry his life, I carry his power, and I carry his authority. Get your stinking symptom, get out of my body in the name of Jesus. And after you do that, you just lift your hands and say, thank you, Father, for that authority. Thank you for that power. Thank you for that key you've just given me. See, there needs to be something just rise up on the inside of us. Because, you know, a lot of people just, they'll let the enemy just push them and 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 push them, just like a bully will do, and push them and push them and push them and push them. But there comes a point, and once you push somebody too far, they're going to rise up. Usually it's too late when it's in the spirit. I tell you, at the first push, at the first push, you ought to rise up. Now notice this. According to their deeds, according he will repay fury to his adversaries, recompense to his enemies, to the islands he will pay recompense. So they that fear the name, so they that fear the name of the Lord from the west and from his, and his glory from the rising of the sun, when the enemy shall come in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. Now, let me read this in the Amplified. I like it in the Amplified. Begin there in verse 17. For the Lord put on righteousness as a breastplate or a coat of mail, and salvation as a helmet upon his head. He put on garments of vengeance for clothing, and he was clad with zeal and ferocious divine jealousy as a cloak. Let me ask you a question. How do you think God felt about what happened in the garden? How do you think he felt about the devil? This little, this little nasty, ugly little imp of a being done messed up heaven, done caused insurrection in heaven. A third of his created beings, the angels, had fallen. And, and this one he created to, to be the worship leader of heaven itself, he'd fallen also. Now, he creates this beautiful paradise of earth and puts man and, and the woman in a beautiful garden. And then he comes down there looking for them one day. And this stinking little rat thing that, that, that he had to throw down to the earth has gotten into them now. You think he's okay with that? You think he's just kind of God, just kind of, well, I've got a plan. Buddy, I'm going to tell you, he was enraged. And you can go, you, listen, you can read through the Old Covenant and you can see that, our, that God, the God we serve, he gets ticked. I mean, he wanted to destroy Israel, told Moses, I'll raise up another nation out of you. Thank God Moses was an intercessor. But I'm going to tell you, every time there is an attack against you as a child of God on the earth, think about how if someone would attack your child, you would feel. Well, you ain't got no emotion compared to God. God gets stirred up. And he wants his church to get stirred up according to the keys that he has left us here on the earth, the authority of God as manifested through the gifts of God, the armor of God, and the weapons of God. He has not left us weaponless, armorless, 
are without gifts. Amen. Amen. Now think about this. Let me read this a little more in the Amplified. I think you'll like it. According as their deeds deserve, so how so he so he will repay wrath to his adversaries and recompense to his enemies. On the foreign islands and coastlands, he will make compensation. I like that because I live on the coast on an island. Find yourself in the Bible. I don't know if they can read this in the mountains of Colorado. I just don't know. I leave it up to their faith. But as far as my faith goes, God tells me, listen, there's a devil out there that wants to destroy you, and I'm as mad as I can be at the devil. When my son came to the earth, I armed him so that he could be, so that he could be effective in what he was supposed to do. I gave him a helmet, I gave him a breastplate, I gave him a shield of faith, and I gave him a zeal on the inside of him to accomplish that what I needed him to accomplish. Now I've transferred that into my family on the earth. Amen. Amen. And there's just something about the islands of the sea and the coastlines around the nations in which a lot of times that's where the authority of the nations are. You ever go look up, look up in, in, in uh, nations that have borders on the ocean where their authority is? Did you know our uh, uh, capital, Washington, D.C., is only a few miles from the ocean? Amen. Right. Obviously, the enemy knows, and obviously, the enemy is territorial. So you have to understand, it may be even living in a geographical, geographical location. I mean, when we, Lee and I first begin to pray about coming to Island Church and starting Island Church, we begin to share that with a few different people, and everyone said the same thing. Oh, no, no, no. You can't have revival down there on the island. You can't have a move of God in Galveston. You can't do this. Yet. Well, I tell you what, we can in Jesus' name. We have to an extent, but we will even more in the days, weeks, and months ahead. But God says, I'm going to, to recompense you. Then he says, this, this great scripture, everybody uh, quotes it. Let me find it here. Wrath to his adversaries, recompense it to his enemies, and on the foreign islands and coastlands he will make compensation. So, as the result of the Messiah's intervention, they shall reverently fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun, when the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him, put him to flight, for he will come like a rushing stream, which the, a rushing stream which the breath of the Lord drives. What is the breath of the Lord? All scripture is given by inspiration. That is the word ruah. That is the word breath. So God says, when the enemy comes in like a flood, you know, floods come from rainfall and rainfall and rainfall and rain, and then here comes a flood. You have all this junk going on, junk going on, and just feel like it's fixing to flood you. The Bible says God's going to come into your life like a mighty stream, like a mighty stream. Now, if you go study this, interesting, go read some commentary about this. This is talking about a flood in an area which have, has a stream that has an access to the ocean and how God will blow a wind on that flood and cause that flood to rush out that stream and into the ocean, not even affect you. Amen? 
you got to realize God has given us gifts. God has given us armor. God has given us weapons, the keys to the kingdom of God. But the key is you have to be a person willing to engage your enemy. Now, oh, I'm almost finished. You must engage, number one, with your confession. You have to speak the word. You have to speak the word. You have to speak the word. Continually, on a daily basis, you must speak the word. You must speak the word. It does two things. It establishes that word in your heart. I tell you, you get an established word in your heart, there ain't nobody going to overcome it. Nobody going to talk you out of it. The devil himself cannot defeat you in, in the midst of it. It doesn't mean you might not have a challenge to it, but I guarantee you in the midst of that challenge, you're going to rise up. Amen. Amen. You must engage, everybody say engaged. Engage. Now listen, you must, your fight of faith, now listen to this, must be an active one as you fight for your health, you fight for your wealth, you fight for your mind, you fight for your family, and you fight for your church. Pastor, I, I thought we were in the victory. We fight from the position of victory, but we fight. But we fight. There was a lot about some of the things that went on in the charismatic movement to try to make people kind of think that you really don't need to engage in anything. You just need, you just need to be a person of faith. And I've heard people speak and minister along these lines and their, and their, their messages, although they might have been really inspirational, they never really did anything in me that helped me to understand. Now that's what I need to do. I need messages that tell me, now that's what I need to do. Because see, the Spirit of God will witness with your spirit and say to you, that's what you need to do. That's what you need to do. That's what you need to do. And many times what happens, especially when it comes to setbacks and discouragement, is we engage for a while, but then we kind of back off and we get apathetic, we get complacent. And then we wake up one day and wonder why everything's so rotten and so bad. And in reality, it's like you being in a natural fight with somebody and you just drop your arms. You just put your, put your arms down and let them beat on you. And a lot of people, now, now don't get mad at me for saying this because I want everyone delivered, set free, healthy in their bodies, blessed in their finances. But you got, you got to understand you can learn to live with misery. You can learn to live miserable. You can learn to live poor, sick, broke, upset, mad, offended. You can learn to live like that, but there ain't no way to live when there's a better way. When there's a better way. When you can be free, when you, when you can walk in the life and the light of God, when you can walk in the power of God. So everybody say engage. engage. Say engage. engage. Now, I'll close my Bible so you know I'm, I'm through. I guess we see most of all, because we don't see war going on outside our, you know, four walls of our church, our home. About the only thing we can relate to would be athletic events in which they are, they are coordinated, organized, and then implemented. All of them have a starting time. And unless it's baseball, most of them have a, uh, an ending time. And in between the starting time and the ending time, two teams engage one another. You ever notice that? Really pretty simple. 
football field, what do they call it, the, the gridiron. They come out there, they, 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 they engage with, there was a, uh, who was it that made that, the comedy skit or a comedy routine, Andy Griffith, who it was, talked about football, as a kid that come out of the country, never seen football before, and, and so he's up in the stands describing what he sees, it's hilarious. But what was funny about his comedy routine is when they began engaging or when the, when, the, when, the, when, the, when the sport began to happen and they began to engage, to him, because never seen or knowing anything about football, that was the most confusing thing he'd ever saw. He said, I don't know what that little thing is down there they're fighting over, but they sure are fighting over it, you know. <laughs> Amen. But in every fight of faith in your life, there should be a specific goal in what you're aiming at. Now, in warfare, natural warfare, one of the most amazing studies that you can study is, is aerial warfare, how, how the, the, the air forces have developed over the years. Now, I saw a thing on the History Channel talked about the first bombing that took place. It happened in World War I. A British reconnaissance airplane had gone out, had flown over the, the, the lines of the enemy to see where they were. Someone had shot up there at them. So he goes and lands and figures, I'll take care of that. I'll just get me some hand grenades. And the first bombing that ever took place was a bi-wing airplane, fly, a British uh, uh, airplane flying over the German lines in which the guy was pulling the pin and throwing hand grenades out of his out of his airplane. Kaboom. Next day, I think he took up a pistol or something else, but eventually, somebody got the idea, now wait a minute. We can, we, can, we can shoot guns out of these things. We can throw hand grenades out of these things. And then you have the phenomenal uh, expression of military force seen during World War II in both theaters in which the modern Air Force began to evolve and began to uh, come into its own with powerful weapons, carpet bombing, uh, machine guns, all that kind of stuff. And now you've got bombs and planes that can fly so high you never hear them or see them and can release a bomb that can come down out of the sky and go down your street and pass up your neighbors and take a right right into your house and knock on the door. Blow your house away and not touch another house. Surgical bombing. They're doing it all over Lebanon right now. Israel's doing it. That's, how they're, that's what they're doing, surgical strikes. They're called smart bombs. Now, that first, that first bombing of that guy throwing that hand grenade out of the plane was actually not the first encounter of an airplane. There was three to four days later, a guy threw a hammer. <laughs> he got inspired, looked around, saw a hammer down there, got a hammer and threw it out. Well, how much damage could you do with a hammer and how accurate can you be? Not very much. Hand grenade, all right. Now you got a little more going for you because that thing's going to blow up over kind of a, but still your accuracy and all, everything from how fast you're going to the, you know, it's, a, it's another maybe. In World War II, they developed something called the Norton Bombsite. America had it. And it was something very unique because they got very accurate with their bombing with that Norton Bombsite. But the smart bombs of the day can be programmed in such a way that it's incredible. Just about any variable 
that any terrain or any type of weather or anything else can offer, such as it going underwater or it going through mountains or it going through snow, doesn't matter. They just program it into the computer and set it off. And here it comes, and it goes to a specific location and does its job. Now, it took 100 years to develop that. And when people first started teaching on faith way back 100, 120, 130, 40 years ago, it was kind of like flying one of those old airplanes and just kind of throwing hammers out of it. Well, let's just pray and see what God will do. But thank God, God began to show teachers and prophets and apostles. And God literally has allowed his church to build some smart bombs which can go right to the specific place of your life. Healing in my liver. Prosperity in my investment account. Breakthrough in my business. But you can't take the guy out of the bi-wing plane, throw in a hand grenade or hammers, and put him in the modern jet and expect him to function. You know what you're going to have to do? You have to teach him, you have to train him. I said you have to teach him, you have to train him. And now more than ever, we need men and women coming online with the quote smart bombs of God, the keys to the kingdom, the armaments, the weapons, the gifts of God, specifically engaged in different areas in your life. I could sit down with a with a yellow pad and a pen right now and write you scripture and verse and write you everything I'm engaged in spiritually. Finances, health, the church, my family, missions. I mean, I could go right down the line, give you chapter and verse, what I'm speaking every day, how I'm saying it, and I guarantee you, I guarantee you those specifics of God. Jesus cursed a fig tree. None of the other ones around it died, but the one he cursed died. He healed individuals at the, at, the, at the stirring of the water in John chapter 5. There were all kinds of people on those porches, but there was one that was targeted by Jesus. There was one man, where was it? In Acts chapter 14, who was lame from his mother's womb. The Bible said, whom Paul preached, heard the, he heard the gospel. Paul uh, perceived he had faith to be healed, said, stand upright on your feet. And the Bible says he leaped and walked. There was one at the gate, beautiful. <laughs> Begging alms. Peter and John said, silver and gold have we none, but such as we have. See, that was God's, quote, smart bombs going right to the specific place. So, well, Pastor, I've had this issue in my life for so long, I, I don't know really what to do. Are you specifically targeting that situation in your life? Every day. You say, why? It's there every day. And you've got to engage it every day till it's gone. I mean, if you've, got, if you've got two groups of soldiers uh, engaging each other on the battlefield and one says to the other, we're going to take tomorrow off. Well, what do you think the other side's going to do? Amen. But you've got a lot of Christians. That's what they do. Hey, devil, Mr. Devil, we're going to take tomorrow off. Next couple of weeks, we ain't going to church or praying or singing or worship or giving nothing. We're not doing none of that. <laughs> and then you come to church and you're like, oh, I'm just so weak. This is what life is just killing me. Well, what? No wonder. 
You have the knowledge. Work on that zeal. Work on, work on, that, work on that, that, that rage that ought to come. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, bringing every thought into captivity. The very thought of sickness and disease. The very thought of poverty and lack. The very thought of, of depression and addiction and all these negative things. The very thought of it. So uh, in, in your own life, should it enrage you? You're like, no, no, no. Amen. I'm going to do something about this. God didn't call me to live like this. And if you'll do that, I guarantee you'll see God back you up with all the authority of heaven, all the authority of the angelic realm, all the authority of the Word of God, and all the authority and power of the Holy Ghost. And you will live and walk in the victory He's already supplied for you. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. You lift up your hands and worship God. Father, we worship you tonight. Thank you for your gifts. Thank you for your armor. Thank you for your weapons. And Lord, as we study them here in the next few weeks, let them come online. Let, let, it, let it be like a, a group of, of soldiers coming into an to a equipment room and picking up swords and shields, armor, smart bombs, all kinds of things which will demonstrate the defeat of the devil here on the earth in the last days. Father, we declare to you, we will not be defeated. Jesus is Lord. Jesus, we worship and declare unto you, we will not be defeated, for you are Lord and Savior. Spirit of God, you abide and empower us, we declare. We will not be defeated. Devil, we speak to you. We tell you that you are defeated, and we are not and will not be in Jesus' name. Thank you for it, Father. Now, Lord, as we leave tonight, we exercise the authority of your word and your power. By declaring no evil befalls us, no plague comes nigh our dwelling place. Angels have charge over us. We declare in all of our travels, the highways, airways, seaways, or railways, we thank you, Heavenly Father. We are blessed of God, protected and kept safe. The righteous labor of our hands, that resource you've given us to handle, that job or that business, we declare no accidents, no trauma, no terror, no evil plans of wicked men or the devil himself. We abide under the shadow of the Most High. We stand against the adversary's attack in the medical realm. Thank you, Heavenly Father, against the common cold, against the uncommon cold, against the flu, against COVID, against any other sickness or disease. We stand on the front end and resist any symptoms that would try to attack our body. And Father, I thank you that out of all of this confusion and turmoil, a great healing revival raises up in the churches of God around the world, demonstrating God's healing power. Thank you for it, Lord. Lord, as we leave tonight, we thank you for that zeal of God on the inside of us, that which motivates us to be soul winners, to go out and be ministers of reconciliation, to lay hands on the sick, to cast out devils. Freely we have received, freely we will give. Thank you, Father, that that is stirring in our hearts and spirits. Lord, we leave tonight walking, walking in faith and love towards you and love toward one another. Thank you for our church. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ you have called us to be. Thanking you, Lord. Here at Island Church, we are covered by the blood, empowered by the Word, and anointed by the Holy Ghost. God. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgallison.com. Hallelujah.
Chief.